0: click on the big red Tell Me More button and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash speaking of partnership. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Get yours today. I can't tell you how excited I am today to bring you our featured guest, Joe Emerson. Joe, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ken. I'm really excited about this.
0: Well, we're excited to have you. And and for anybody who's listening who maybe isn't familiar with Joe's background or her work, let me just give you a little intro here. You may have noticed Joe has just a touch of an accent. (laughs) She's from across the pond over in England, and and she is a leading confidence coach and human behavior expert. What she does is she plugs people back into their authentic selves so they can actually reach their full potential, both at home and at work. She's also the author of a book called Flying for Beginners. It's a proven system for lasting self-confidence. And she runs the popular online course, Five Steps, to lasting confidence. Now, her most important job, however, is being mum to her three daughters, Beth, <laughs> Eva, and Nancy. You can actually find more about Joe at her website, joe-emerson.com. Joe, take a minute, fill in any blanks there may be in that intro, and then give us a glimpse into your personal life if you would. Oh,
1: any gaps in that? Well. You know, Ken. There's going to be there's loads of gaps in there. How you know how many? How many should I fill? Um, I guess the um, the only other things to say really um, about me um, and my life at the moment, with a busy home life and um, a busy career. The thing that I suppose we didn't touch on are the amazing friendships I have um, in my life. I have friends in my life, new friends, old friends. My three best friends are women. three women I went to school with I've known since I was 11, 12. Um, And without my friends, I don't think I'd be kind of who I am today. Um, So they take up as much of my time as I have left after looking after my children and and my business.
0: Excellent, excellent. And you know, it's it's funny, Joe, because it just, I don't know why I wasn't thinking about this earlier today, was we were originally going to have this this interview, but I ran off to go see the Dalai Lama. And I had to <laughs> reschedule. you? you. the
1: Dalai Lama ahead of me.
0: <laughs> yes. And you were so kind to just make that last minute adjustment because it just kind of fell out of the sky to me. So thank you I for that. I think
1: that was a very wise call, Ken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I, I wanted to ask you, you know, with your work, especially working with people with, you know, confidence, Yeah. One of the things that I find is helpful in partnership is having I call it a guiding principle, but it could be, you know, a quote or a mantra or something that kind of keeps you on track when you get a little bit kind of off in the weeds. And I'm wondering, what do you what do you use for that? Do you have some kind of of a a touchstone, if you will, that, that you would recommend to our listeners that works well for you?
1: Yeah, I absolutely do, Ken. And when I learned this, um, a lot changed for me personally. You know, the whole reason I do the work I do is because I used to feel very unconfident and I've learned how to feel authentically, truly confident. And for me, it's all about whether the thoughts I'm believing are rooted in fear or whether they're rooted in love. So, for example, if I'm feeling... Anxious or worried, or I've got that sicky feeling in the pit of my stomach. I will literally ask stop and ask myself now, what are you believing, Joe? What what are the thoughts you're believing? What are they rooted in? And always, every single time, I can guarantee you, if I'm feeling off, it's because I'm believing a thought that is rooted in fear, abject fear, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear that some guy won't like me, or one of my children might not. You know, I don't know, do well at school or silly little fears, but there they are. And then in that moment, if I ask myself, "What a loving thought to believe right now? Or what would wisdom say to me right now? Wisdom and love being, for me, interchangeable, um, then I immediately calm down because wisdom normally says, in this moment, everything's okay. Right now, you're fine. And then I can get on and do the next right thing and the next right thing. And And the thing I was worried about... Nine and a half times out of 10 never comes to pass. So, that, so my quick go-to would be to say to people, ask yourself, what are you listening to? Fear or love? Fear or wisdom? Fear or truth? You know, whichever word suits you best. Because it's the way to pull yourself, as you say, out of the weeds.
0: Yeah. I... <laughs> You're good, Joe.
1: Um... <laughs> <laughs> nice. Here's why
0: I say that. So as soon as you said that phrase... What are you listening to? You know, fear or love? Yeah. I was instantly reminded yesterday I uh, was out on a hike and and anyhow, I I hit this really funny, funky space and I was really sad and I was really blue and I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. And somehow I kind of got to that point of what? This is all just like this fear, negative. I have so much to be grateful for. Mm Mm-hmm. And once I just stepped over to that side and went, well, wait a minute, look at, yeah, maybe it triggered some discomfort. Maybe it was me not being able to, you know, really be open to everything that was amazing in my world. Yeah. And so once I stepped over there, it was like, oh, and all that funky, unhappy kind of blue space disappeared.
1: It's amazing, isn't it? And, you know, gratitude actually is another great tool for pulling yourself Um, out of a negative space Um, you know sometimes I work with people they are so low they're so lacking in confidence that to find something to be grateful for would be almost impossible for them um so we would then we would start with the fear love piece but if you've kind of got you know if you've got to the point where you kind of know that life's good and you're just in a funny old space then yeah a gratitude list or just running through some things you're grateful for even if it's I'm grateful that the sun is shining which sometimes it does here in, in the UK <laughs> um, oh, I, I'm grateful that my children and I have food in our bellies or I'm grateful that I'm still able to smile at my next-door neighbour despite the fact that, you know, we rowed last year or whatever it is. Um, that will just bring your perspective back into the positive and back into the now. That's the other thing that gratitude does for us is it reminds us of, of what we have now because so much of the time we're afraid of what we might lose in the future. We haven't even got there yet, Ken.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. And, and Joe, I want to ask you a question because this just popped into my head and it's, it's kind of a personal question. So being confidence coach, and you mentioned, you know, sometimes you work with people that are just so low in their confidence. Yeah. How does confidence relate to shyness?
1: Oh, wow. That's a cool question. Confidence and shyness. Well, they're kind of related and they're kind of not and what i mean by that is that i think all of us are probably in some situation or another quite naturally shy for example you'll get you'll get i don't know um, some women for example who are like amazing in their careers you know real ball breakers in the boardroom Who make amazing amazing high-powered decisions all day every day and yet, you take them on a date with a guy that they really like, and they will become completely shy. So, in in the same way that you would say these are really confident women, but they can they can uh, exhibit a shyness sometimes. In a similar way, you see, you know. Uh, regular say mums who were you know really really confident with their own children who suddenly become shy with someone else's child so so what's underneath that it can be a lack of confidence in that particular situation but I think also it's kind of quite endearing to be shy you know if you can be shy and have, have the confidence to own your shyness to actually say I'm feeling quite shy right now then in a way you're ability to confidently own what's going on for you kind of means that you're being both confident and shy at the same time, but the two can coexist quite comfortably. Am I making sense, Kev?
0: Yeah, yeah, because what you're, what you're speaking to there is what I would call, you know, being authentic about your lack of confidence in that moment. Yeah.
1: Because I think even the most confident people can have moments of being really shy. Mm -hmm. You know, if I went to meet the Queen, I'm a a really confident person, but if I went to meet the Queen of England, um, I'd probably be quite shy because she's like, you know, she's an amazing, you know, mega icon in Mm -hmm. our culture. Mm -hmm. And I would experience some shyness. Um, But it doesn't mean that my confidence would necessarily go. I think confidence is a deeper thing. Shyness is often momentary.
0: Hmm. Nice.
1: They are connected, but they're also. But I think they they're also slightly two different sides of the same coin, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And I asked that because when I was a little kid, I was I was so shy. I introduced myself as shy. Oh. Did you? To the point where there were people who thought my name was Simon because I didn't speak real clearly, and I would say I'm shy. Oh. And. One of my dad's best friends thought my name was Simon for a very long time.
1: (laughs) Wow. So, So yeah, that's why I asked because,
0: you know, I don't, I don't, there's times like you're talking about where I might feel that come up some. But, you know, as a little kid, I have no idea what started it or why, you know, how it evolved out of there. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's not, you know, I don't introduce myself as shy anymore.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. It's amazing. But to be able to break free of that programming from your childhood whenever you did it, you know, that's a, that's, that's a pretty major step to make in any, in any life. You know, loads of people I work with are still caught up in the stories they were telling themselves when they were children.
0: Yeah.
1: Whereas it sounds like you've obviously broken out of, of that. Um, you know, that's all, that's all my job is essentially, is helping people to unhook from their stories. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you, Joe. And, and, you know, one of the things that that we love to do on the show is have our guests share their own personal stories of, you know, different places in partnership because that's our focus. And I'm wondering if you would take us to a time in your life when you kind of tripped up in a partnership, you know, what what were you doing? What was the thing you tripped up on and and what did you learn from that experience that helped you move forward?
1: Wow. Um, so when you say partnership, would you like me to talk about um, my marriage or would you like me to talk about a business partnership?
0: Any type you... of partnership they you know, yeah. the principles overlap. Yeah,
1: okay. Um, well, I'm I don't know if I don't know if you know, but I'm I divorced from my um, children's father five years ago, so I've been a single parent now for five years. Um, and you know, going through the pain, Of divorce um, that taught me a lot about partnership actually interestingly you know whether it's your decision to end the marriage or whether the decision has been made for you both parties really suffer really suffer Mm -hmm. because you are dismantling something that you've created together Um, and much as um, I truly believe it was the right decision for myself and my ex-husband um, and we've actually reached a place now where we are great friends and we um, are raising our three children together um, from two separate homes, if that makes any sense. Um, um, the uh, the agony of separating from something that you thought would be forever and you have invested in so much emotionally and financially and domestically and familiarly um, it's agonizing. However, in terms of partnership, I would say in a funny kind of way, um, my ex-husband and I, and I, I hesitate to speak on his behalf because obviously he's not here and he has a different story, but from my perspective, I'd say in a way we're better partners now that we're not married because we absolutely put the needs of our three children ahead of anything else. And so... The principles have been those three children. Sorry, I just banged my table. Those <laughs> three children. Sorry, everyone. Those three children, those three girls who are stunning, gorgeous, you know, just these vivacious little characters, they need a mum and dad who are going to get on with each other. And they need a mum and dad who are equally committed to each other, to, sorry, to, the, to the, them as children. And they need a mum and dad who are not going to fight. And they need a mum and dad who are going to continue to make decisions about them together. So with that in mind, we've sort of created this very odd setup where we're not rowing all the time like most divorced couples. Um, And and we um, share our children and we share information about our children. And, um, you know, I absolutely want my children to have the most amazing relationship with their dad. And I'll do whatever I can to, you know, help that help that to grow um, and in the same way you know if I'm having a problem with one of the girls I can call him for his advice and he'll often stick one of them on the phone and say stop talking to your mum like that you know he'll back me up so mm-hmm. in a funny kind of way maybe because we have an external focus i.e. we both really love these three girls we've created a better partnership than the one we had when we were married
0: yeah that's you know that what comes to mind as you say that, Joe? and I, I really appreciate you being so so candid about that, is, you know, sometimes we have these constructs, marriage is certainly one of them in our culture, yep. and we think there's a certain way it's supposed to look.
1: Oh my God, Ken, yes!
0: <laughs> and then when it doesn't, we don't know how to forgive both ourselves and our partner for it not being a match to that yes. picture we had.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And I—it ha- took me years to forgive myself because it was—it was my decision ultimately to end the marriage. But then the guilt one feels because one hasn't seen a contract through or, or, or met a societal standard. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. It, it's really tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Despite there being no other option.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it, it's interesting. And I mean, I think it's it's funny because, you know, I, I work a lot with folks who are, are looking for a partner and there's, this, there's even more stigma in our culture to have, at least in the States, to have never been married than okay. to have been married and divorced.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Especially if you get a little later on in years, people are like, oh, there must be something wrong with you. Why wouldn't you at least got married and failed at it?
1: Wow, uh, really?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, it's, and it's funny because there's, like, I, I, I did a uh, research on, on the, uh, the what do you call it, the census. Yeah. They don't have an option to be single. What? It's never married.
1: Oh, my gosh. So it's like that's the only thing we can head for in life is marriage.
0: Yeah. So there's married, there's separated, there's widowed, there's divorced, and there's okay. never married. Wow. There isn't, know, it's, like, it's not a valid category in our culture that oh. you can be single. And the irony is that, I think it was in the last census, they found that for the first time ever, there are more adults that are not married than yeah. married in the U.S. So, But not, not I mean, single. That's there that's aren't any single difficult. ones. They're just not married.
1: Can yeah. I find that? I find that fascinating. You know, I think... Um, it's it's so interesting because I um you know in my twenties I, I just wanted to get married and have children mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I genuinely did want both of the, both of those things, and I have no regrets. But um it I, I do now find myself in my in my forties kind of questioning you know how much of that was just my kind of cultural programming because as as well if you look at those marriage vows and you know I have such respect for marriage and I have got friends who were so happily married. But I look at those marriage vows and think, that is a tall order to say I am going to love you forever and only you and only look at you. And, oh, my gosh, you know, that's that's tough. I think we almost set ourselves up for failure in a way. And, you know, I, I'm not sure whether oh, we're, we're getting into a big tricky water here. What water <laughs> but is Is marriage the only way, or can we not create these partnerships where just every day we both decide we want to be in them and give our best and and love that person, and who knows what tomorrow brings? We're all seeking certainty, we're all trying to pin our lives down, and the facts are that life is uncertain. You know, we could marry someone tomorrow, and they could be dead the day after. Mm -hmm. Like, you know... Oh, I don't know. I think we're all trying to fix ourselves almost through these kind of constructs. And actually, you know, the, the route to fixing ourselves is an internal job. It's it's never about the guy or the weight loss or the car or it's it's an internal job. Um having said that, I do think marriage is a beautiful thing. If two people can make it work, I'm so delighted for them. Um but um I, I currently have not been someone who's made it well, have I made it i don't know we were we were together for fifteen years. you could argue that that's a successful relationship there's three beautiful kids that came out of it so it's a tricky one It's a really tricky one
0: <laughs> yeah it it definitely is and i i i love what you just said you know well does that mean you didn't make it work or you did make it work yeah i mean who's yeah. to say what's i mean yes if you, you just say no matter what you stayed in that in that legal agreement well then yes by definition it didn't work but right, yeah. what's the real essence of marriage yeah. and you know it's funny i was i was at a uh, workshop with mike dooley i don't know if you know mike he's the guy who does uh, notes from the universe yes and he was asking he does a lot of work around you know the laws of attraction and so on and, and we were about to go to lunch and he asked you know is there anybody what's something you want to create that you just haven't been able to and this woman said you know i want to be married And he goes, well, I can fix that in like 10 minutes. And she's like, well, he goes, well, let's just go down to the courthouse. I mean, you can find somebody who will marry you. That's just a legal contract. What do you really want? And you could just see this woman's face like, go, what? Yeah. And I happened to know her. So I went over and I had lunch with her. Did you? And the entire lunch, she was just like, like twisting. She's like, I. Oh my gosh, I'm so attached to that's what I wanted. Yeah. Without even thinking about all it is a piece of paper and a legal agreement. Yeah. That's not what it looks like. That's not the experience you're going to have. And so she started exploring. Well, I guess I really want this and this and this and this. And you know, Joe, it's one of the fascinating things when I work with folks, one of the primary things I work with them on is getting clear on what their needs are, which yeah. seems like everybody should well, don't we just know that? No. Most people no. have never really thought about, what do I really need to be happy for the rest of my life? Mm. Like deep down at my core. Yeah. Not food, water, and shelter. We know those. Yeah, But what are those things that feed me that let my greatest expression come forward? Mm. And yeah. so rarely have we, one, either, you know, thought about it. But if we have thought about it, oftentimes we think it's too weird to ask for that. Mm. Or that's, that's too much to ask. Nobody should have to do that. And yet what I found is not asking for our needs to be fulfilled. I mean, not everybody's gonna be the person to do that, but when you find that person, if you don't ask for that, you're being really selfish, because what you're doing is saying, I'm never gonna give my real gifts to you. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm never gonna ask you to support me in a way that will allow me to give my real gifts to you. Wow, I love that. It's kind of reversing our mindset. Yeah. But it it's really, really a selfish thing to do is not ask to have your needs met.
1: Yeah, I see that. I, yeah, I see that. You know, just a little kind of sideline from that, a little alleyway off that same topic. My youngest daughter, Nancy, had a tummy bug yesterday and was bless her with being really sick in the toilet again and again. Poor little darling. And um, she kept saying, "Mummy, I don't like this. I don't like this. And... Oh, my heart went out to her. And she said, "I, you don't have to stay with me. And I just said, Nancy, there is no other place I would want to be right now than here with you holding your hair back while you're sick. And she kind of gave me a funny look sideways. And afterwards, when she would stopped puking, she she said, "Um, why did you say that? And I said, because I love you. And I want to meet your needs when you're really poorly. That's like... That's everything I want to do. I I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave the bathroom when you're in there being ill. That's yeah. And in, in, a, in a similar way, you know, meeting her needs in that moment mm-hmm. fed me in the most tremendous way. Even though I also hated it because it was horrible smell and my child's ill. And, <laughs> you know, but, but on a much deeper level, myself as a human being, myself as a mother. Totally fulfilled in that moment because I'm giving myself to someone, and her needs for me in that moment were so clear. You know, she needed her hair holding out of the bowl and a cuddle as much as possible. while, mm-hmm. bless her little friend, um She's fine today, she's bounced back in true seven year old okay. style. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, it's, I totally see what you're saying there, Ken, about yeah, not asking your needs to be met as a selfish thing. I see that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really you know it's again, it goes against what everything we've been taught, basically right, so it, it's hard to get our heads around it at first. but well, let me ask you something else here, Joe, because this I, I love what we've been exploring, and I want I want to kind of switch gears and, and what I'd love for you to do is share a story with us of of what I would call one of your proudest moments in partnership. And what I mean by that is a time when you think about it and you think back and and you just like your face just lights up. You can't help but smile.
1: Oh, (laughs) okay. so uh, I'm going to give you a choice, Ken. Okay. it's either going to be giving birth to one of my children or it's going to be more recently um, the kind of launch of, of my book, which was a very much a two woman job. You decide.
0: Hmm. <laughs> well, I want to hear about the birth of your child.
1: Okay, cool. So, um, I'm going to actually talk to you about um, the birth of my um, my second daughter, Eva. Um, my so the first time I gave birth was uh, how old is Beth? She's twelve. So, first time I gave birth twelve years ago. Very frightened. Um, by the whole thing. In fact, the whole time I thought nothing can hurt this much and not be killing me. They just don't realise I'm dying, um, <laughs> and they just kept saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, push." Um, yeah. <laughs> so I was overwhelmed with fear. Um, and and my third birth with Nancy, who I just talked about, um, that was a that was a it wasn't a great situation afterwards. She again, she's fine now. But with Eva, what was really really interesting was. Um, I'd been sick for the whole of um, her pregnancy, really, really sick. Like, just felt like I had a hangover at sea in a high on a boat uh, mm. in high seas for nine months. It was not pleasant. Um, so I was kind of quite looking forward to giving birth because <laughs> I, <knew laughs> I knew that the sickness would be over. Yeah, how warped is that? Um, and you know what? I I got into the uh, once once I could feel the contractions coming, and um, my ex-husband drove me to the hospital. Um, and I had decided that I was going to not be afraid this time of, of, of the birthing process. And I remember the midwife, and this is the partnership I really want to talk about, was actually me and the midwife. I looked at her and I said, I am going to do this, and I'm going to do it differently to how I did it last time. She hadn't been there last time, but she obviously had my notes and and you know could see that it hadn't been amazing before and i basically with her support took complete charge mm. of that birthing process in a way that i just hadn't with my first i i can't i can't even um well i'm not going to go into massive detail because that would just be gross for everybody but um i um i decided how i was going to have her i decided when i was going to have the gas and air i decided um, exactly what kind of position i was going to be in to birth her and I decided with this midwife that I was going to best the pain. And I said to her, how do I get over this pain? And she said, you use the pain. Use the pain to push. And um, I kind of didn't know what she meant. But when the next awful contraction came, I remember hearing her words and thinking, how do I use this? How do I use this pain? And then I kind of, ah, oh, how can I describe it? It was like I dug underneath the pain and found some strength the pain lifted, and I was able to push, and I thought, my God, this is amazing. This is amazing. And, you know, I had my daughter very quick, about 40 minutes later, out she came, and she was healthy, and she crawled straight up my tummy because she wanted to feed, and, you know, she was just, she hit the ground running. She hmm. was like, right here, I'm alive now, and I'm going to get on with living. <laughs> and, um, and, and But that's very much the attitude I, I'd had when I gave gave birth to her, but it was that it was the midwife. I, there was something about me saying to her, I want to do this differently, and she got on board with my determination and gave me I don't know, she gave me the courage or the self-belief that I could have a different experience and I did. And of course on a on a much deeper level, I learned that day that pain does not have to kill me again. That pain can actually lead me to something quite miraculous and of course you know five years ago with my marriage ending and you know all of that the pain of that was horrific absolutely horrific but i had never grown more in my life than than when I was up against that emotional pain you know and in the same way you know when I gave birth to Eva I was able to use that pain to um, have a really transformative experience so I'm not afraid of pain anymore. And that midwife was, um, she was a great partner. She just felt like this silent ally who helped me do what I needed to do and then she disappeared.
0: Amazing. I am so glad I asked you to share with that story. <laughs> Two <laughs> reasons, Joe. So first it's an amazing story and I love that you shared it with us. The other piece that you just illustrated so beautifully is in partnership, the first part of partnership is part, right? Yeah. So, unfortunately, we typically are more worried about our partner's part than our own. Yeah. (laughs) And what you just illustrated was you took care of what your part was. Yeah. The midwife took care of what her part was. And as opposed to trying to take your part from you regarding the pain, she just said... All I can do is say, here's what you do with your pain. It's your part. Absolutely. And there's a way you can actually use it as a lever.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so
0: she just shared her wisdom to support your part, not to take your part from you.
1: No. Well, you can't. You can't take anyone's pain from them.
0: No, but we try, right? Yes. We think, oh, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? It's like, well, it won't work because it'll still be there. It's just gotten distracted. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was such a great, great illustration of that. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. You know, it, it, it gets me into this whole thing. It's me thinking about just how many of my clients display huge amounts of codependency. You know, that kind mm-hmm. of, I don't know what your mm-hmm. definition of codependency is, Ken, but mine is that feeling that I'm responsible for the feelings of another person or the decisions of another person. And, you know, I see clients who are so caught up in trying to manage other people's lives you know, uh, being really, really guilty for other people having feelings that are negative, and you know, it's like, whoa, you know, just, you just, just keep your own side of the street clean. Mm-hmm. Deal with your own stuff and let them deal with theirs. And when it comes to marriages or business partnerships, you know, the same rules apply. We are all responsible for our own words, our own actions, our own pain, our own pasts, our own futures. You know, and if, you know, gosh, when I was, you know, much younger, in my 20s, and I was in such a mess, you know, I was not having a great time, really struggling with life. I just wanted someone to come and wave a magic wand over my life. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that the wand was hiding inside, and I had to take it out of my, I had to find the wand myself, and then I could start, you know, waving my own magic over my own life.
0: And I tell you, I would not have it any other way. Now. Yeah. No, it's it's so true. It's the biggest, mm. you know, realization any of us can have is that we yeah. actually we 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 know what we need to do.
1: Yeah.
0: I had a I had a uh, one of my earliest spiritual teachers was named Mary uh, Mary Bell Nyman, and she used to drive me nuts. But now I understand why she did this. You'd ask her a question, and she'd go, "Well, what do you think?" Oh that's yes. how she answered every single question. Wow. And the funny part was I always had an answer. Yeah, of course you And did. I'd be like, What? And and she's like, Yeah, because I don't have your answers, you do. You just don't think you you don't trust your answers. Yeah, leading you back to yourself. And it was you know- funny because I, I knew I'd gotten that lesson when I was now teaching at the same place. And I was Doing this class, and this one gal came up to me and she said, You know, asked me some questions. I said, What do you think? She goes, You're just like Mary Bell. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I finally figured out the whole thing is you have your answers. I'm just here to support you in owning them.
1: Yeah. That's, when that's our, you know, the best coaches are those of us who allow people to find their own answers. Yeah. You know, I'm not doing anyone any favors if I'm telling them how to live. I don't believe in that. I just think that's a horrible, horrible thing to do to someone. You know, occasionally my clients will say to me, you know, what do you think? What would you do? I can say, well, I can stop coaching you now if you like and kind of give you a mentor's answer or a friend's answer. Mm-hmm. But let me hear yours first. <laughs> and what, What's your second idea? What's your third idea? What's your fifth idea? And, you know, and then they, of they don't need my opinion because, you know, they found five five groups <laughs> of their own um but that's just because they're not confident you know people are lacking the confidence to own their own answers own their own truth and yet that's you know owning our truth is how we start coming back to ourselves and how we just find that beautiful inner peace Mm -hmm. that is the handmaiden of inner confidence it's Mm -hmm. um it's gorgeous
0: yeah yeah and i i i love that it's you know one of the reasons why I ask my guests to share stories is what I found for myself is when I hear somebody else's story, it'll trigger my own. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I have, I'm have i like, oh, yeah, I've done that. Oh, yeah, I know where that shows up. And mm-hmm. I can find my own version that I can totally 100% resonate with that ends up being my answer.
1: Yeah. Gorgeous.
0: So I'm like, oh, well, let's use your stories. So, <laughs> so we have another one i'm gonna ask you for one more story if i may of course you may and this may come back to something you presented earlier so what Mm -hmm. i wanted to ask you is what would you say is one of the current partnerships that you're in that, that just is super exciting in your life right now oh gosh
1: Oh, there's so many different, super exciting, super exciting partnership right now. Well, I, you know, I don't want to bang on about my book, Ken, but it is kind of the most exciting thing there at the to. moment, and it is, ah, it is, yeah, okay, so um, so my uh, my book, um, which is my debut book, it's called Flying for Beginners, and the title Flying for Beginners came to me well, my golly, four or five years ago, uh, in my kitchen, washing up, um, and I was just kind of, I think it was one of the weekends, my girls were with their dad, and I was kind of really struggling with feeling lonely, Um, you know, because I hadn't lived alone or been alone in my own home for years, years and years and years, and, you know, those were tricky times for me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I was also doing a lot of work on myself, and um, I was um processing a lot of current pain and old pain you know childhood stuff and um and I was I knew I was um I knew I was on the right path and then and I'd had a few breakthrough moments and um one had been particularly powerful and I looked out to the garden and um and just I remember it so clearly the idea flying for beginners like dropped into my head hmm. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to write a book about all of this one day, and it's going to be called Flying for Beginners. And, you know, I um, I have a spirituality. I have an uneasy relationship with religion, but I definitely have a very active spirituality. And if I were to believe in um, angelic beings, I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure I don't, not sure I do. But if I were to, I guess it felt like some heavenly being just dropped those that title into my mind it's the only way I can describe it um anyway I kind of put the idea to bed for a while and carried on you know running around after all my children and building my business and do more study and you know do everything that we do and and and, and dating doing some dating which um which was not fun at the time you can ask me about that later if you want <laughs> I am an open book um anyway I um you know, I, I knew I had more growing to do and kind of more learning to do before I wrote the book. And then two years ago, I sat down and I, by then I'd started um, employing Becca, my marketing manager, to, um, to do some work for me. Um, and she said to me, you've got to write your story, write your story, please write your story. Um, and, um, and I, I just, it, it became time, I suppose, to um, give birth to this book um and it did really feel like it had gestated for you know the time that the 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 name was dropped into my head until I put pen to paper well actually my fingers to the keyboard um it, you know it felt like a gestation and then literally this this book just poured out of me in a four month period um you know every weekend I didn't have the kids I'd be at my desk writing um evenings after they'd gone to sleep I'd be writing this book and and and, and it just came it just flowed out of me Um, and then it went sat in a Word document for a while and didn't do much with it and then Becca and I kind of played around sending it to agents and and then we got to the point where we thought you know what we want to actually I I want to self-publish this. Agents were really excited about it but they all wanted it to be four times longer than it was and and I because 80,000 were 80,000 word books apparently sell and 20,000 word books don't sell as much. And, and I just thought, you know, this book does not need to be <laughs> any bigger than it is. It, that would be a bit like saying, you know, um, that Nancy needed another four, 15 legs. You know, mm-hmm. it was a bit like, no, I've given birth something perfect here. You, you're not changing it. So, um, so back when I decided to go down the self-publishing route now, I am not massively techie. I'm okay. I can kind of hold my own, but it doesn't excite me. She, on the other hand, is the most amazing graphic designer and she's also really good with tech. So I wrote this book. She, bless her, learnt self-publishing, designed me the most beautiful cover, learnt how to program um, a web page, I believe, or do coding or something in order to get the, the, uh, Amazon to speak to the self-publishing tool that we used and, And the result was this beautiful, beautiful book that I'm so proud of. But, you know, this book would still be stuck in a Word document were it not for Becca. And, you know, the fact now that people are reading it and their lives are changing and they're leaving these amazing reviews on Amazon and they're saying, thank you, Joe, for your book. And I want to say, yeah, but it's Becca too. Because, you know, not only did she encourage me to write it in the first place, but then she was so heavily involved in the partnership. You know, we, as business owners as you know thought leaders whatever we want to describe ourselves you know we're only as good as the people who work with us you know she has put so much time and effort into this and you know i'm really grateful to her for it she's um she's been a star
0: i love that and you know it's it's, it's funny because there was two things that, that popped out for me on that one is what you were just saying of you know you want to go oh no it's becca too but sometimes part of the partnership is not everybody's in the spotlight.
1: No, and, and she would hate to be in the spotlight. Yeah,
0: and the, I you know, their role <laughs> technically could, like you said, it, it would still be a Word document yeah. if it weren't for her. However, somebody's got that role of being the, the face yeah. of this book, which is you, and yeah. she's kind of the backbone.
1: Yeah. 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 And that's how she would like it, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So the other thing that I thought was interesting in your story, Joe, was. You're you're writing a book about confidence.
1: Yeah.
0: And now you have the experts in the industry saying that will never sell. Mhm. They tested your confidence mm-hmm. in your book about confidence. Mhm. <laughs> so, like,
1: so I went. Oh, well, okay, then we'll do it ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it was <laughs> great, right? It's like how the universe tests us on stuff, and you're like. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. How could I just go buckle under and do whatever you say when my book is on confidence?
1: Yeah. My that would kind of confidence. be,
0: this yeah. book should be shorter, but I didn't have the confidence not to listen. <laughs> yeah. wow. So now you have to read it four times. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fun. I love that.
1: I know. And you know what's amazing is, you know, everyone who's read it said, I love the fact that it's short. And they, they've all said, you know, most self-help books, I, I give up after after uh, about a third, because I'm like, they're repeating themselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sat smugly thinking, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're going to read all of mine.
0: <laughs> yes, my next one's going to be a picture book. There won't be anywhere. It's, people will love it.
1: There is only one picture in Flying for Beginners. I'll have nice. you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, years yeah. ago, um, I, I was engaged to a woman and she bought this book that was three, what was it? Um, 30 day fast uh-huh. and it was oh. 300 pages long and I'm like <laughs> what's in there it should just say don't eat that's all it needs to say <laughs> here's the funny part Joe it was recipes oh for like the oh. foods to eat leading up to your fast the foods to eat for I'm like the last thing I would have thought a book called 30 day fast was that it was going to be a recipe book
1: Okay. Well, I love my food, so the last book I would ever buy would be
0: one of the, <laughs> first of the title.
1: <laughs> yes. Never uh, doing that.
0: Yes. By the way, she never did the fast. Um, <laughs> good girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we're actually at a, a kind of a new portion of our show, Joe, and I, I call it "Bring It All Home." And this is where we're going to step away from stories now. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to give some what I consider to be some simple, concrete guidance that our listeners can take with them and and apply right away in their lives. And where I wanna start is, I'm curious, what would you say is the best partnership or relationship advice that you've ever received?
1: Oh, 100%, the best advice I've ever received is to be yourself. The, you know, I I just mentioned earlier on about you know dating, and um you know that is that is a that's a game and a half that mm-hmm. whole dating mm-hmm. scene thing. Um, the word shark springs to mind, <laughs> um because I think so often when we're uh, seeking relationship or seeking love or um you know wanting to attract someone, we um it's so tempting I think to become who we think people want us to be in order to get the date or the guy or the girl or the dinner date or, you know, whatever, whatever. And, um, and it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work because you end up, if you're the one doing the pretending, you end up feeling kind of compromised. Like, you know, why are you not meeting my needs? Well, this person's not meeting your needs because you haven't told them what your real needs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, or this person ends up driving you mad because you haven't been real with them. And and, and uh, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. It does not work. And, um, you know, I think I would rather wait for um, someone who is just going to think, this, this person who laughs really loudly and doesn't stop talking is perfect for me, than I would, um, you know, shave off parts of myself in order to kind of try and fit some mold and, and, and be miserable, I, I just, I couldn't do that to myself. So be yourself would be the number, and that comes from business as well, yeah. and as a parent actually. I'm just thinking of, I'm a friendship, you know, any kind of partnership, we have to be ourselves. That doesn't, I don't mean don't compromise, that's not what I mean. I can compromise on the color the lounge is painted, or what movie we go and see on a Saturday night, but I cannot compromise on who I am as a person. I think there's the difference
0: yeah no it's that's so true and I I love that you mentioned that you know it goes to every kind of partnership yeah and one of my favorite teachers Alison Armstrong was on the show once and and she made the comment she said if you don't show up authentically Mm -hmm. there's actually no one for anyone to be in partnership with yeah totally it's just ghosts yeah it's It's just this like imaginary thing yeah, and it's like no, th- you're not there, and that's when it doesn't. Be- it's not interesting anymore. No, it's like, and well, yet, that's nice. And yet but...
1: it's so easy to slip into that kind of comedian, oh, yeah. especially if you've always done it. You know, if you grew up in a family where you've got your approval by being the funny one or the pretty one or the clever one or whatever, and um, you know, if you're used to wearing masks to get what you need emotionally that's a really it's a, it's a long haul back to authenticity sometimes but um but it, it's the only way we're ever going to have a true partnership
0: yeah absolutely thank you so we've talked a bit about your book and what I want to ask you is is there another book or another resource that you'd recommend to our listeners about partnership
1: <sighs> gosh there's so many um I'm just trying to think of the best, um, the best book I would probably suggest. Uh, I would probably say "Games People Play" by Eric Byrne. It's an old, it's an old school book. Um, not old school book. I mean, it's old school. Um, Eric Byrne um, It's just one of my kind of you know heroes. And "Games People Play" is all about that kind of drama triangle and that codependency and how. We can dance around playing persecutor, victim, rescuer, the words people are saying and what are they really meaning. You know, it's it's all about game playing and how to drop the game playing. Um, It's a great book. It's a great book.
0: Excellent. Excellent. I don't think anybody's ever mentioned that one before. So I love adding new lists to our our options. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, Joe, I got to tell you, this has been a blast a <laughs> good
1: fun, hasn't
0: it? I don't think there's anyone listening that doesn't realise you are an incredible resource, and I would love if you would share with our listeners how do they contact you, how do they learn more about what you do.
1: Oh, okay. Well, uh, the easiest way is on my brand new website. It literally launched um ten days ago, and I'm very excited about it. So uh just go for down dot emerson with one m dot com i'm on twitter uh, underscore joe emerson underscore i'm on facebook joe emerson coaching i'm on instagram uh, i think i'm confidence coach joe emerson on instagram um and you know if you've got any questions um you know my email address is on my website i offer um free advice as well on my website so i have like an advice column so if you've got a problem you can email me um, and I will take all of your identifying information out, and I will post my response on my blog. But obviously, no one will know that it's you who's you know written in um, to me. Um, yeah. So I think I can't think of any other way people can get hold of me. Um, there's bound to be more. Ken, Google Plus probably, LinkedIn probably, but the ones I said first off are probably the main the main sources.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And. For all of you listening, I know that you're in the midst of something else. Very few people listen to podcasts as their sole task at that time. Just know that if you go to the Speaking of Partnership website, just speakingofpartnership.com, you can type in Joe's name and you'll get all her links right there. It'll be really easy to get a hold of her, including finding out about her book. So, uh, Joe, this has been incredible. I'm so glad that we rescheduled when the Dalai Lama got in our way. Neat. And <laughs> what, what a wonderful being to have in our way, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, his holiness does deserve uh, exactly,
0: things. Exactly. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you again for being on the show. This has been amazing. You've been so candid, so honest, so passionate about what you do and, and, and partnership in general. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ken. I've absolutely loved talking to you. It's been great. Likewise.
0: Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.